Hello again, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast. We are up to episode number 149, and it is our first monthly off-season installment of the podcast. I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. As you can tell, I have the plague. Uh, joining me, as always, up in Tallahassee, David Rowe. Dave, how you been the last couple of weeks? Well, I don't have the plague, so there's that. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we get to uh, talk, uh, even though it's been a little while uh, during this Thanksgiving week. And um, yeah, uh, that's that's about it. I'm thankful that I have a new job. Oh, but, uh, good, good. Yeah, it's been a crazy few weeks for us. We've got the house on the market. It has. Uh, we we got an offer on it. We accepted, uh, or we countered. They accepted. We found a place we made an offer and everything is looking good we had the inspection today of our house we haven't heard anything back in terms of negativity so we're operating under the assumption that everything's good and we'll continue on to the next phase of the house buying and selling uh you know project so so basically next month uh you'll be in the middle of either moving or unpacking mm. Mainland Towers is going to relocate uh, probably <laughs> looking at the end of December, early January, um, maybe mid-January if it, if it pushes out a little bit. But yeah, it's uh, Mainland Towers will be on the move <laughs> to, <laughs> to, uh, to beautiful Sanford, Florida, the, uh, the uh, northeast suburb of Orlando, which has uh, become a haven for uh, a place, places near and dear to your heart, the craft breweries. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. So, um, yeah, heading that, heading that direction. So, I uh, don't want to borrow, you know, borrow too much of our listeners' time um, boring people with that. So, um, you know, when we originally thought we'll get to our November podcast, we'll have some kind of knowledge by then what's going to happen with the team. We'll be able to figure out, you know, who's coming back, who's not. That's probably not happening until the day this drops. The day oh, yeah, this no, drops, all of that information will come out and we'll have to talk about it next month. Um, but we did push uh, this a week later than we expected to. Uh, we're trying to trying to finagle some, some things and set up some schedules for off-season guests and uh, one thing we thought we had didn't come through, uh, so we moved some things around. We got a great guest for tonight, and um, we'll have a great guest for December as well. Now, as a result of the shifting, but um, you know, right now MLS playoffs are going on. They got the uh, the conference finals are about to get underway with Atlanta and the New York Red Bulls in the East, and uh, Portland and Sporting Kansas City in the West. Dave. Um, not a lot going on on the, the Orlando City front. Some news, obviously, because you can't just go a few weeks without any news. First thing we'll talk about tonight is the uh, the most recent partnership that Orlando City has announced. A, a partnership with uh, Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga, and that is a partnership on both the men's and women's side because uh, Wolfsburg has a uh, women's team, very successful women's team. They make the Champions League year in and year out. And um, I just want to get your thoughts on, like, what this partnership will do for Orlando City. We've seen these partnerships pop up in the past. We haven't seen a lot come of them, to be quite frank. But there have been some 
some sharing of ideas, some sharing of uh, you know training methods and tactics. There's been some some sharing of best practices on the business side of it. Um, there have been some players that have uh, come and gone. You know, we've seen players from Benfica come in for a, a short period of time. We had um, we had a, a Stoke City player lined up, but did not uh, pass his physical and ended up going back uh, in Jonathan uh, Teixeira. And also, um, so he never played for Orlando City, but then we also had a loan of Leo Pereira as part of this uh, this latest partnership uh, with Paranaense in Brazil. And now Wolfsburg, what do you think is going to happen with this one? I'm taking the approach that uh, the same approach we do when uh, Orlando is, is losing and until they uh, prove they win. I'm not going to predict them to win. So until something actually happens significantly from one of these partnerships, I'm going to assume it's going to be the same old, same old. There'll be sharing of ideas, maybe the odd player here or there, but uh, nothing of mass significance. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that something big happens from it, whether it's on the Pride side or Orlando City side. I don't care. Um, and or if it's something that we don't know about, maybe just give us a clue that, you know, hey, this is why this is good front office. Um, but, yeah, for right now, uh, it's it's bitten us too many times in the past where we've come on here and I've gone, yeah, that's a this is a great move. It's always good to have, you know, partnerships like this. And while it is, I, I, I want to see something more before I get too excited. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with you, I th- but I, I think this is how I feel about it. It's nothing bad can come of this only good things could come of this now something good might not come of it but only something good can come nothing nothing bad can come out of this i don't i don't at least i don't see a way for something bad to happen out of this but (laughs) i mean i guess there there could be oh yoshimar yotun goes to play for wolfsburg i guess is something you know (laughs) um but here's uh you know here's the thing it's it's a, a well-established club, a very prominent club in one of the most prominent leagues in the entire world. So I'm going to keep an open mind. I, I think the main thing that Orlando City needs is to, and this will dovetail into our next conversation nicely, is to expand the the network of player information that's out there so that they can find you know, players that maybe aren't good enough to play for a Bundesliga you know, first team but might be really good MLS players. And that's the kind yeah. of thing that, that hopefully will come out of this. Um, I think we've kind of exp- said everything we can on this subject, so I'll just go ahead and move this into our next topic, which is the hiring of Ricardo Moreira as director of scouting for uh, Orlando City. This is something that happened at the very end of October into the 1st of November, and... You know, this is something that the club hasn't had as somebody who's been in charge of, you know, doing this kind of of networking and putting together, um, you know, action plans on who to scout and who to send to see players and how to gather information on players. And that's something that, you know, Marrera had um, some experience in Columbus behind the scenes doing this kind of thing. He was instrumental in helping them get Artur, who has been a really good player for Columbus. So I think that this is something that can be a very big positive for Orlando City. Without a doubt. And it's amazing to me that this is something that we haven't had before. Uh, It's one of those things where, you know, in the back of my head, I guess I knew that we didn't. But until something like this happens, 
you're like, oh, right. Why wasn't somebody doing this very important job for developing a club? Um, so uh, once again, you know, I think it's a very good thing uh, having Ricardo in that position. Um, obviously Brazilian, so we can continue all the Brazilian connections associated with this club. Um, I'm sure that didn't hurt his chances coming in uh, to the position. But regardless, uh, like you said, he had uh, experience with Columbus. So um, I look forward to seeing the fruits of his labor uh, over the next few seasons. You know, I didn't keep this, but when I when when the announcement came out about Marrera being hired, I went through each MLS club's staff directory, and I looked up what you know what kind of scouting uh, positions there were around the league. And it's surprising to me how few scouting positions there are in Major League Soccer. Mm. Um, in terms of, you know, most teams have a technical director or a director of soccer operations. Um, mm-hmm. It's not necessarily clear that that's part that you know the scouting is the part of their job. Technical director probably is involved in that, but you know, I worked in in the NHL for years, and our team had you know anywhere from six to nine scouts listed, uh, in addition to the general manager, the assistant general manager, the scouting um, coordinator. There was a whole department just dedicated to that and there were there were scouts who who were localized to one region so that one scout would you know travel around and and watch games and say you know the czech republic and slovakia and a couple of other countries maybe but that has not been the case for major league soccer and the the scouting process for major league soccer teams is part of what's holding this league back because teams are not spending a ton of money on it. The teams that are being mm-hmm. successful, you, you know, obviously Atlanta has a lot of money to throw around. Um, New York city FC has the full city football group money to hide behind, you know, and, and to use that scouting network, New York Red Bulls, they have the Red Bulls, the entire Red Bull scouting network from uh, their soccer operations in Salzburg and Leipzig and all that. So, um, you know, the, the teams that spend money are, are doing a better job at it. But the, it's it's not a level playing field by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And it'll be good to even if uh, we don't have the amount of money, at least having somebody in that position doing doing the work mm-hmm. uh, is is going to be one would think it's going to be helpful. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is a, a definite positive. Um, and anytime we can talk positive about Orlando City after this past season, that's a good thing. So, um, like I say, I'm, I, I think, uh, um, you know, maybe maybe this uh, dovetails back into the uh, the Wolfsburg part, partnership and, and, you know, him pulling in all the rest of the partnerships and just organizing all that information. Um, so we're those partnerships actually will maybe start to produce some more results. I think the more, the most intriguing part of this um, partnership with Wolfsburg is that the women's side is involved and I'm not aware there may be some, but I'm not aware of any other NWSL partnerships uh, with European clubs. And, you know, the, the Wolfsburg team has, you know, a lot of, um, 
prominence and in the European game, and I think that it's it's going to be a positive thing for the Orlando Pride. Obviously, you can you know send some players over there to train in the off season. Uh, you know, maybe just be some extra bodies in training for for Wolfsburg, keep players sharp, that kind of thing. The ones that are not playing over in Australia or Camilla playing in Brazil. I think that's a good thing for the pride. And I think it's something that, uh, you know, could be a helpful recruiting tool for the pride whenever they get around to hiring their new coach, which is another topic we thought we'd be discussing by now. We'd be talking about a couple coaching things that we're not going to be talking about today. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, um, we move on. We'll talk a little bit about the U.S. women's national team, the U.S. men's national team. Both uh, of those teams just finished up their friendlies for 2018. Their 2018 schedules are over. The U.S. men closed with a pair of shutout losses in Europe, losing 3-0 at England. And 1-0 earlier today as we record this on Tuesday the 20th against Italy. In the dying seconds, Dave, Italy uh, scores a goal. Ethan Horvath had had a great game uh, keeping the U.S. from getting just absolutely drop-kicked by the Italians. Uh, But in the waning seconds, the Italians broke through for a 1-0 win. Uh, Disappointing year for the U.S. men. They played a lot of young players, which is partly why they went 3-5-3 and three in the calendar year and only scored 10 goals in 11 games. They had a lame duck coach. Um, you know, certainly we expected Greg Berhalter to be named coach by now, especially with the crew being out <laughs> of the playoffs now. Uh, but that hasn't happened. Um, is anything... It'll happen when this drops, so right. don't worry about Any, it. Anything you want to take away from, from the U.S. men this year? Uh, just that... I'm I'm taking the long-term view on this one. Um, you know, getting these young guys the playing time, getting them the experience against some of these bigger uh, national teams, and 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 just realizing that we don't have uh, a permanent head coach as of the recording of this podcast, and that um, you know it's a com- just about a complete rebuild after the the disaster uh, at Trinidad. So I'm. You know, I'm as big of a U.S. fan as, as anybody else out there, but I'm I'm going to be realistic about it, and I'm going to enjoy the fact that um, there is the changing of the guard. We are going to see this this new generation uh, come up, and hopefully, in you know several years, make the World Cup. And you know, these guys, when when that happens, a couple of years from now, a lot of these guys are going to be in the prime of their their playing years or at the beginning of their prime of their playing years. So, I mean, that's, I, I think there's a lot of good um, that we can look forward to assuming we get a coach in here and we get a direction and some kind of vision for what's going to happen moving forward. Cause they have been directionless, just getting, you know, it's been, let's get the younger guys out there. Let's see what can, they can do. Let's, you know, play the matches, but that's been it. Yeah. I have nothing to add to that. It's been a disappointing year for the U S men, but, the U.S. women, on the other hand, finish the year unbeaten, uh, unbowed, unbroken. The women finish with a pair of 1-0 victories on the road in Europe at Portugal and Scotland. Uh, our own Alex Morgan scoring the goal to beat Scotland, and uh, that was her 98th career goal. So she's she's on fire. In fact, she is the 
one of the five finalists for the U.S. Soccer's uh, 2018 Female Player of the Year uh, for uh, for this past calendar year. And I think that she's got as good a chance as any at, at pulling in that honor. Well, when you're scoring uh, at least a goal, and I think it's maybe a hair bit more than a goal per game, um, yeah, you're going to be up for an award because that's, uh, like you say, she's been on fire. That's absolutely insane. Um, it, it's She's been incredibly consistent for the U.S. Women's National Team, and, and the team as a whole has just been, uh, you know, a bit of the swagger back. Um, there was a lot less... Um, Jill Ellis messing around with formations and, and, you know, tons of substitutions and, and everything that we saw the previous year. Um, and I think, you know, we give Jill Ellis a bunch of grief on, on this podcast, but, you know, maybe a year ago she was doing her testing this year where she was putting out the, the product she wants to, and getting them, getting them all settled. And then next year they go on and, and win the big one. So, uh, if that's what happens, I'm, I'm all on board, um, but yeah, this this year, as a uh, U.S. fan watching the women's team, uh, you you couldn't have asked for any more. Yeah, I mean the team against some of the better teams in the world, they at times struggle, but um, you know this is a team that's it's probably it's certainly as talented as any in the world, ranked number one, obviously going into uh, the World Cup next year, looking to defend the championship. And really playing at a high level for most of this calendar year, which is great, um, despite some key injuries throughout the year. And hopefully everybody will get healthy and um, be available for uh, France in uh, in the summer. And speaking of France, there's a, a very good early test in 2019 as the U.S. will be playing in France against France um, in a friendly. So that's a, that'll be a good barometer on where the U S needs to get better, uh, prior to the big tournament. That's, that's some pretty good scheduling there. Absolutely. It's uh, like a, it's like a, a world cup preview. Yeah. And, it, and, and not just for us. I mean, obviously that's a good match for France to see where they are and how they're doing as well. Because like, you know, we said the U S women's are, um, if not the best, then one of the best in the world. So, uh, as you said, rank number one. So it's, uh, it's good for us. It's good for them. And, uh, it's also good for us, the viewers, because we get to watch a fantastic friendly. And of course there'll probably be uh, another edition of the, she believes cup in the spring, which is another, a uh, good barometer, good test for where the U.S. will be and where they need to be uh, when the big tournament starts. So I feel pretty good about the U.S. Uh, getting through the group and, you know, really pushing uh, for a potential repeat. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to where the U.S. women national team, women's national team uh, is headed uh, in 2019. It was good, good 2018. Uh, they played a lot of... Uh, a lot of different opponents, a, 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 a big disparity in, in types of teams they played. And, you know, some of the teams, best teams in the world, you're talking about England, you're talking about Canada, you're talking about um, Germany, um, you know, Brazil, Australia. So these are mm-hmm. these are all very, very high quality teams. And then some new, you know, some unfamiliar foes that we saw as well and, and a, a rising uh, rivalry with Mexico as their women's team continues to develop and, and you know playing them three times this past year. So um, looking forward to more exciting matchups with the the Mexican national team as well. So that's that's all fun 
But Dave, why don't we turn our attention, speaking of fun, uh, to the indoor game. Oh. The Orlando Seawolves are now uh, a team, and we talked about them a little bit on our last podcast, but they, they had a friendly against Brazil and um, won it. So they are they have never been beaten ever in the history of the Orlando Seawolves. So all they got to do now is just keep that up. Yeah, just continue, just stay the course. Um, yeah. 3-2 overtime win in that exhibition game uh, at Silver Spurs Arena. The Seawolves, of course, will kick off their inaugural season uh, on the 30th of November. That's a Friday night at 7.35 p.m. against St. Louis. Uh, I will be on hand to cover that match. Uh, at least that's the plan. And, you know, I think that uh, it's going to be fun to see what, you know, kind of roots indoor soccer can can put down here. Uh, it was a kind of a surprise announcement that the team was coming, and then, um, you know, they, they hired Tom Traxler to be head coach, and we uh, were fortunate enough to get Tom to come and talk to us, and uh, we're going to get to that interview right after this. All right, joining us this month on the Mainland Podcast, we're very happy to have with us the head coach of the newest professional soccer team in town, the Orlando Seawolves. Please welcome Tom Traxler. Tom, thanks for being with us. Hi, Michael, thank you very much. It's uh, a pleasure to be here with you. I, I appreciate your work. Of course, I'm very familiar with the Mainland and the podcast, so uh, exciting. Thanks for asking me to be here. Tom, uh <laughs> I have to admit, I I know you as Orlando City's broadcaster, and and I have known you as that for some time. And the the announcement that you were going to be the head coach of the SeaWolves took me a little bit by surprise. But uh, obviously, a lot of people don't know you have a a, a vast coaching background. You have a a, a very um, you know wide experience in the sport. Obviously, played the game. Um, what drew you to the SeaWolves and to indoor soccer? Um. Well, indoor soccer is is, is a, the brand of, of soccer is something I'm very familiar with. Um, you know, I, again, thank you for mentioning. I, I've you know I've grown up. I, f- I feel like um, I've grown up with soccer in this country. Um, you know, being nearly fifty, um, you know, I can I can remember when soccer was kind of coming to the forefront. Um, and not even forefront. It was just attention was being given to it back in the, in the early seventies. Um, and, and to watch it rise to what it is now, it's just been a, a thrill for me as someone who loves the game, but indoor soccer specifically was very popular, um, in the, in the late eighties, getting into the early nineties. Um, I, I had friends that played in the old major indoor soccer league or MISL. Um, with the Wichita Wings, and uh, I used to follow them um, and their exploits, and uh, watching them go to places like Dallas uh, with the, when they play the Sidekicks and Tattoo at Reunion Arena, there'd be twenty thousand people, and uh, the San Diego Soccer is the same. The Baltimore Blast, uh, both those last two teams, still um, big parts of indoor soccer now in, in, in MASL Major Arena Soccer League. Um, so. Indoor soccer is something that's always intrigued me. I've, I've always thought that it could have a real big place in, in the American sports landscape because it's, it's built for television with its, with its four quarters, um, timeouts. You know, I, 
uh, and it's it's fast paced. It's you know you're in and out again, you know, an hour and a half, and and you've got your product, and it's fun and exciting. So um, those sides to it have, have always intrigued me. Um, it's it's quickness, it's it's movement, it's goals, uh, it's it's fun, it's fast. That that's always intrigued me as well. Just the fact that I, um, you know, I, I I kind of it it was a part of everything that soccer was developing for me as as I moved on from the early seventies to now. Well, Tom, Michael mentioned that you actually have quite a bit of experience, of course, you know, recently at Winter Park High School um, for, I think, 12 seasons, um, numerous titles. Uh, what's the transition been like from uh, that level to, obviously, a professional plus going from the outdoor to the indoor? Well, outdoor to indoor. Um, so it really is a completely different game altogether. Other than a ball and goals and, you know, you, only the goalkeeper can use their hands. Um, a lot of oh, everything else is, is just about different from, from shifting to when you got players that are, that are on for roughly depending on how you do it, 45 seconds to a minute. Um, and they really by and large, believe it or not, they keep track of that. You set the lines, um, and then they have to keep track of their shifting. It's just, it'd be way too much for one guy. All the, all the changes that happen so frequently be way too much for a coach or coaches to try to to manage that. So you, you leave that in the player's hands to do, um, the tactical side is, is, is fascinating. Um, you know, there, there, there's, there's so much movement that happens and truly really orchestrated movement, um, designed to open up space and angles and, and how you transition. Um, the defensive side is, is also, it, it's fascinating, but it's somewhat simple. A lot of it is uh, man to man, believe it or not, because of the short, the small space, the distances. Um, there's very few teams that play zone, and they usually play zone early or higher, higher up when 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 the other team's goalkeeper has it. But um, once they break the first line, it, it usually develops into man to man. But that's not always easy because there's a lot of teams. There's blocking that's allowed in indoor, so um, that's that's very different. Um, so that that part of it, uh, that part of it's been a, a bit of a learning curve, um, just getting patterns down and, and learning movement. Um, but it's something I've been doing for for quite some time now. Um, just to, from the time I knew I was going to be doing this, and um, you know when when you talk about the differences, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I was coaching at high school, never thought that anything like this would ever happen or, or could ever happen. I don't I don't think you could imagine it being in a position like that. Um, but working with uh, professional players, you have to remember, um, you know, this is their livelihood. And so everything you do, um, you know, has an impact on them. Um, you know, you, there's no, you can't slack off at training ever. Nobody can, not the coach, not the players, um, you know, because everybody feels that training sessions have to be meticulously organized. Um, you know, you have, to, you have to break this down. You, you have to be on point every day. And not only do I have to be on point, but I expect them to be on point. So that level of accountability, um, has been a lot of fun and, uh, and, and very, very refreshing for me. Tom, one of the things that our listeners will probably be, uh, interested in hearing is, is how have some of the former lions, uh, acclimated to the indoor game, Tyler Turner, Luke Bowden, uh, Lewis Neal, Johnny Mendoza. Look, you know, uh, when you talk about all of them, the, the one thing you talk about is, is they're all very good technical players. 
Um, and that was something I knew would not be any problem. Obviously, the indoor game, if, if your first touch isn't good, if your touch isn't good, you, you get found out pretty quick. Um, you know, you, Lou Bowden, Lewis Neal, um, you know, very, very technically tidy players. Tyler Turner as well. Johnny Mendoza, an absolute spark plug. Um, I think one of the big compliments, uh, Keith Tozer was in town last week, and, and I got a chance to work alongside him. Keith has won over six. Uh, indoor titles with uh, Milwaukee Wave. Um, he's been a player in MISL since since the early '80s. I remember watching him in those leagues. He, uh, he's also the current um, U.S. Uh, futsal head coach, um, and he looked at Tyler and really he he kept saying that Tyler he feels could be a a rookie of the year candidate. So um, when you hear someone like that. Uh, Say you know, make a comment about a player like Tyler Turner. You're like, wow. And and Tyler really has taken to this. Um, he's a player I'm I'm really proud of because uh, he's really had to work hard to to keep himself going. You know, when you talk about a young man that um, starts in USL with Orlando City and and has a lot of accolades and there's a, a, a massive amount of potential and promise and talk about and then uh, comes to MLS and it, and it doesn't quite work out and then he ends up in OCB and then he leaves town, ends up in, you know, LA galaxy two Los dose. And, you know, then he finds his way out of the game. Um, you know, that for a young player, a lot of things can happen and you may never find your way back in the game, but Tyler has, has taken this on. He has grabbed it with both hands and he is one of the hardest working players out there. Um, passionate. Um, and I think he really wants to be, um, a great indoor player. Um, Lewis, you know, Lewis is, uh, again, he's one of those guys that when I talk about things have to be on point, with Lewis nearly have to be on point, or, or he's going to let you know he's a consummate professional, but he's uh, physically just exceptional. I mean, when you, when you talk about a guy in his, in his mid-30s um, still running and doing the things that he does, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's a nod to him and how well he takes care of himself and, and how professional he is and how hard he works to keep himself fit. But, um, his ability to play in tight spaces is, is fantastic. Um, I knew he'd take to that. And the same with Luke Bowden. Um, you know, we all know he's got that cultured left foot, but he is a very intelligent soccer player. Always was. Um, you, you could see it at his time. If you ever watched him real closely with Orlando city. Um, and again, Johnny Mendoza, just, I mean, a spark plug and, and the guy, I think he's quick. He's going to help his team tremendously in transition, and I think he could be one of the more exciting attacking players on the Seawolves roster. Now, Tom, I'm curious uh, how this all came about for you. I mean, obviously, you know, you're you know, doing stuff with Orlando City. You're coaching high school. Uh, did you approach the Seawolves? Did they approach you? How did that all go down? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. Um, so when Chris Kokalis first came to Orlando, decided to relocate the Cedar Rapids Rampage um, franchise. He got a hold of some uh, people in the local soccer community, one of them being Patrick Dix. And uh, I, again, Patrick Dix, I, if you've ever worked in soccer circles, um, you know the caliber of gentleman that Patrick is and how high a regard he's held by so many of us. Um, and uh, Patrick told him to reach out to me for, you know, probably – reasons of the fact that I owned a soccer store, um, you know, worked for the Lando city from a broadcast perspective, um, you know, had, had been around the local soccer landscape as, as, as well as just been around the game for a, a long time and, and 
Um, so he came over and we sat down and just started talking and I, um, congratulated him, uh, told him I was really excited about indoor soccer being in Orlando. Um, gave him some people that I thought in, you know, to, that could help him, um, help him from a marketing standpoint. Um, you know, any other way I thought that I could give him information or knowledge to, to help him uh, get a head start because, you know, you, you certainly want to see um, professional soccer succeed as it is with Orlando City. And then because it plays at a time when Orlando City is off season, it gives everybody a chance to, to keep their soccer fix going. So um, that's kind of how we, we got started. And um, our conversations just kept going after that. Um until we, and we talked a lot about a lot of things, talked about, you know, philosophies and coaching philosophies. And, um, it just, you know, one day he, he called me and said, how would you like to be the, the head coach of the Orlando Seawolves? And, um, you know, I thought about that for, for a few minutes. Uh, I had to go consult a few people. Um, you know, I had to think about everyone in my life that would be affected by that and, what they thought it was something that I really wanted to do. Um, I've of course, again, I've never been offered an opportunity like that and, um, might not ever be offered an opportunity like that again, the rest of my life, who knows? Um, and I, as I said today to someone, I, you know, I, I think that in life you, you always want to stretch yourself. You, you always want to challenge yourself. And, um, I think you always want to push yourself to, to be, comfortable with the uncomfortable and um and being that i knew lewis was going to be there and uh luke Bowden and tyler turner and, and guys that i knew and um the chance to work with guys that i didn't know uh was really exciting and it, it looked like it would work out I, and again my key people in my life were really excited for me so uh i absolutely took the opportunity and um it's it's been fantastic so far well, so far, so good, Tom, because you have never actually tasted defeat as the Orlando Seawolves head coach. <laughs> the uh, Seawolves <laughs> playing their first ever game recently against Brazil, and, uh, you know, you came out victorious. What was that first experience like for you, and how nervous were you uh, for that first game? Um, you know, was I, I would say was I nervous? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, when you when you coach at, at Winter Park High School and something happens and you don't do well, yeah, a few people know. Um, and your players are, you know, you and your players and, and their family, um, you know, maybe some people at the school are disappointed. When you're working with a, with a professional franchise that has supporters and sponsors and owners and, um, and you're not successful, it, it means something very, very different. Um, so was I nervous? Yes, but that's good. I think I always say nerves are good. I think everybody should be nervous walking into a, a game or something for the first time or, because it means that you care. Um, so yeah, the, the nerves were definitely there. Um, it was a brand new team. You never know, you never know what's going to happen when it takes, takes to the, to the field or the floor as it is now. And, um, you know, we've, we'd only had a, a week together now, you know, Brazil, um, Obviously, you say Brazil, and you're like, so my first game in charge is against Brazil. Oh, okay. <laughs> no problem. That's, that's how you do it, right? That's how everybody does it. First game, take on you know a country like Brazil. Um, they had a lot of players that were um, a lot of MASL players that play with teams like Baltimore, 
uh, Milwaukee Wave, um, Florida Tropics. Um, so very seasoned indoor players. They don't always play as a team, but very seasoned indoor players. Um, so and they started reading off the list of names. I'm like, oh wow, okay. You know, you think about players like Ricardinho, who plays the Milwaukee Wave. I think is an exceptional player in this league. Um, so to to come out at the at the end of a week um, where you've had a week's work together and and to have something positive happen at the end of that week, I think that was a really good thing. I think a lot of people. Um, we have our supporters section, the Wolf Pack, um, which is growing, and they do a great job. And but it was their first taste. It was a lot of people's first taste of indoor soccer. So to have that be overtime and successful um, in terms of the result, I think was good. I think it was important. Um, and I've always said it. I think when you go to an indoor game, if you if you just give it a good chance and you go once, you're going to get hooked. You're going to want to go back again because it's a lot of fun. So I was, I was nervous. Yes, I was excited, um, and I was, uh, I took a deep breath when it was all over and said, "Okay," because now we've got a lot more work to do to get ready for the real thing, which happens on November thirtieth. Yeah, you mentioned uh, your first uh, match on the thirtieth uh, against St. Louis. Um, obviously, you're wanting as many supporters in the stands as as can be there. Um, obviously, Orlando is a is a great soccer town. Um, what would, how would you entice people to come out? You know, what, what would you say to them to say, you know, Hey, uh, I mean, all five of our listeners, uh, which probably includes my dad, but it, you know, uh, how, how, how would you get all five of them out there, uh, to, to watch, uh, the Seawolves? Well, first off, I know you have a lot more than five, so, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll just, we'll just start from there. But, and I'll also say your dad is always welcome. Um, okay. and, um so, um, but uh, what would I say? I, w- I would tell you to not expect anything like the outdoor game. Um, and that's not a knock. It's just to say that they are two different games. Um, I would say come in. I'd say first off, one, I think the club has done a great job. Tickets are $15, extremely reasonably priced. Um, an hour before kickoff from 6 to 7, it's $2 beers, $2 sodas, $2 hot dogs. Um, so fantastic deal. An easy way to, to take the family out uh, to games. The games are on Friday nights, Saturday nights. I mean, there's one game at home that's on a Monday, but that's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So, um, you know, it, that's, that's not too bad. Um, from a perspective of, of indoor soccer, again, it's fast. The, the transitions happen lightning quick. The chances come fast. It's just about... There's, there's chances nearly every time somebody comes up the floor or a shot or um, a save or a block or um, a steal, and then it's headed the other direction. The changes, players, like I said, they're, they're on and off the floor. Um, and, and you're really close to the action. We have, um, we have field side suites, uh, areas. I mean, you're literally, you could reach out and touch a player while they play. Um, I, please don't do that. But <laughs> that, that is, that is how close some people can be to the action. If you think like hockey, when you're right up against the boards and you, that is you're inches away from the action. Um, I always think when you can watch something from that perspective and see, um, the speed, the strength, the power, um, how these players play. Um, I, I think that's always exciting. So, um, again, it, it's a, it's a fun night. 
hey, it's indoors too, so you don't have to worry about the weather. If it's if it's raining, no problem. If it's if it's cold outside, we're okay. We've got a great heater, and if it's hot outside, we, the air conditioning works. So, um, you know, climate controlled environment. Um, you know, again, fun, fast. It's great for family. It's 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 affordable. Um, and, and you'll walk away hooked. I, I, I guarantee it. You're going to, you come one time and give it a good chance. You're going to walk away an indoor soccer fan. I got to tell you, Tom, I live in Tallahassee, but when you mentioned $2 beers, I might have to make the trip down. See, I got you. And, and, <laughs> and your dad probably is in favor of that too. So there you go. The two of you, come, the two of you come down, there you go. $4, two beers. You're good. Sounds good. Tom, the, um, you know the the listeners and the fans of Orlando City, they know the the four guys that you know we discussed earlier. Who are some of the other guys that you think are going to make a big impact this season? I would say, uh, what little I know of the team, that, that you were probably expecting big things from Gordy Gerson and uh, from your goalkeeper uh, Peter. I'm gonna I'm gonna just butcher his last name, Sliva. 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 You got it. You almost got it. Okay. Sliva. Yeah. Um, Gordy Gerson, absolutely. Um, MASL All-Star uh, guy, you know, last year coming off uh, you know, 40 goal plus performance. Um, he's exciting. He's energetic. Um, he, he gets himself for that second post. Um, so he's, he's always around for, for goal scoring opportunities. Um, and I, I think the fans will take him. Another, another player that I think fans will, will notice is uh, Joshua Sandoval. Um, he'll play at the back. Uh, he'll be one of our captains. He will lead the power play team. Um, he'll also be on our man down team. Um, steady defender. Knows the indoor game inside and out. Good technically. Um, fierce competitor. Uh, you mentioned Peter Sliwa, who is my assistant coach as well. We're, we're fortunate we have two really good indoor goalkeepers. Uh, one, Peter Sliwa, um, who played with Florida Tropics last year. And then uh, Heiner House, he's from Brazil. Uh, excellent shot stopper. Um, again, someone who's so experienced in the league. Um, and then our team has a lot of other players, of course, with, with that indoor experience. Um, but we mentioned the two in, in Gordy Gerson, um, and Joshua Sandoval, um, absolutely outstanding. Richard Schmerman is another, another big, strong player, uh, came to us from St. Louis. He, so he'll be going up against his former team, uh, and Dylan Hundelt is another player who I think players will, or fans will see um, his commitment, uh, how hard he works in transition. Um, probably one of the hardest workers on the team. Uh, he'll be on our on our man down team. So that's a few of the the new names and faces that I think the Orlando soccer fans can um, can start to recognize and and start to get to know and get behind. And one of the other things that I would mention too is, um, you know, I think one of the things. That, that I remember, and then I know everybody, uh, I think most people would agree, back in the USL days of Orlando City, um, the players were really accessible. Um, they had the, you had the opportunity to, to go down to the field and see the players. And, and this has a lot of that same feel. These players are, are extremely accessible to everybody, and they, they want to be. They can't wait to get to meet the, the, the soccer fan and, and the soccer enthusiast um, in Orlando. Of course, all of them know about Orlando City and they know the brand that's been built here. They, they know about the wall. They know about how, how loud it can be there. And, and um, I think they're eager to, to see if they can 
just get some of those people to come and, and give indoor soccer a try. So, um, but it, you know, it, I can tell you it'll have a real feel of if, you, if you're around Orlando City back in in the USL days, it, it'll it'll have a real feel of that in terms of you know these players will become not only players you know, but players you get a chance to, to meet and talk to, and they you know, become your friends, and um, it starts to have this real family feel to it. Before we let you go, Tom. I uh, we have a question from one of our uh, one of our staff writers. Tom Saunders wanted to know um, what what is your ultimate ambition? Is it in broadcasting or coaching? And then to expand upon that, you know, what is your plan? Uh, because these seasons overlap, are you going to be able to continue on as a broadcaster with Orlando City, or are you just going to be focused on the Sea Wolves? Wow, Tom, good Tom, asking the hard hitting questions, huh? Um, well, first off, I, I think um, right now my focus is, is on Orlando Seawolves, of course, because we're in season, um, and, and it will remain there. Um, one, of the, one of the people that I, I would let know that this opportunity was coming my way was um, Marcos Perez, who's the director of broadcasting for Orlando City. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody, anybody that knows me knows um, you know, how, how strong a connection I have to Orlando City and have had since they since they've been in Orlando. So um, I'm hoping that that when SeaWorld season concludes, um, that I will have the ability to to go and continue working for Orlando City. Of course, um, James O'Connor, great friend of mine, um, knew we knew each other well back in the USL days, and he and I um, stayed in touch um, constantly during his time at, at Louisville. Um, and I really, I, I, I truly believe that James has everything to be a great manager, not only in MLS, but um, beyond that. And I, I know that he can do great things for this club. I know he's so hungry to do great things for this club. So for me to continue to, um, to be around Orlando City, to, to, to be there, to, to watch James and this great club succeed, um, in addition to being around and coaching Orlando Seawolves, I, I think would, would be great for me. As, as far as, um, you know, my broadcasting career, well, um, I, I certainly enjoy my positions and all the things that Orlando City has allowed me to do. Um, it's, it's, it's been nothing but fun. Um, I think it's tough for any broadcaster, to be quite honest with you, um, as far as an American landscape, because... When you talk about it, if you look at Fox, they really have like you know one main guy. You know, they, they it's it's you know you you've got um, you you got their team, their, their set team. You go over to ESPN, it's it's Twelmans, it's Healy, um, you know, and, and so it's it's tough to break through um, for anybody. I think it's it's tough to break through that. So um, as far as going further, I don't know. I would I would never. I would never turn down great opportunity, um, but you know, again, I think I'm going to keep my focus right now on something that coaching is coaching and playing and all that stuff has been a part of my life, my whole life. And I've been coaching for over 20 years, so um, to have an opportunity to coach any club at a professional level is is an honor and, and a dream come true. So it's something that um, I don't take for granted, and uh, I, I'm I'm 1,000 percent committed to right now. 
Well, Tom Traxler, head coach of the Orlando Seawolves, thanks so much for being with us. We'll, of course, check in uh, with you from time to time. We'll be uh, covering uh, the Seawolves at the mainland as, as best we can. And, uh, you know, thanks so much for being with us, and, and best of luck this season. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me to be on. Um, I appreciate that. And anytime you guys want to come down, you know that you, you know you got a place. So come on down and visit with us. All right, thanks again to Orlando Seawolves head coach Tom Traxler for uh, being with us, talking a little Seawolves soccer uh, here on the Mainland Podcast as we uh, get into the final segment on episode 149. We're going to uh, let's take some listener questions, Dave. I don't think we got anything on the Twitter feed this month. But I know we have, uh, I know we have some stuff in our inbox in the email. But there's two ways that people can um, ask us questions. You can hit us up on Twitter, and we are at the mainland. That's our account. Just uh, tweet at us with the hashtag #AskTMLPC, and uh, we will answer your questions. Also, if you email us, the mainland at gmail.com, and uh, throw #AskTMLPC in that uh, subject line, uh, you can hit us the old-fashioned way via email. And I know we have a couple of uh, email questions, and then we'll do the last little scan of Twitter before we uh, before we wrap up. But uh, Dave, I want to start with Lee Gablick, friend of the podcast. He, uh, Let's go. He'd like to know what your favorite Thanksgiving dinner side dish is. Cool. Um, uh, it's incredibly boring, but I'm a mashed potatoes guy. I love me some mashed potatoes. So, um, and I. Gravy, no gravy, I'm good with it. Butter, salt, pepper, good with that. But yeah, just uh, just good old mashed potatoes for me. Yeah. Is lasagna a Thanksgiving dinner side dish? <laughs> Evidently it is in your house. Because <laughs> uh, if that counts, I will go with lasagna. Um, if you're talking traditional Thanksgiving dinner side dishes, um, I have to say that the, you know, obviously turkey is the star of the show. Uh, but the the dressing is the is the sidekick that must be there. It's the it's the Tonto to the Lone Ranger. It's the Robin to the Batman, and uh, you got to have a, a good a good stuffing uh, is very good. I, I'm also a big into the potatoes, but also I think the unsung uh, side dish of any Thanksgiving dinner is uh, you know whatever type of bread you go with, whether it's biscuits or rolls or whatever. Uh, I'm a very big uh, believer that the the, the bread is a, uh, is, is, a, is, a, is a good side dish, if that counts. You know, uh, no disagreement there, but in keeping with the whole potato thing, so good sweet potato casserole is also a, a kind of a transitional from dinner to dessert. Mm, yeah, you know, I've always, growing up, I didn't, we didn't do the casserole thing. My mom did like, a, she just did like candied yams. You know, not, mm. not 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 with the marshmallows uh, baked in or whatever. Um, oh, I don't need the marshmallows baked in, but I'm talking the one that's got the the ton of brown sugar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta have the butter yeah. and the brown sugar. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, thank you, Lee, for the uh, very um, you know, very thematic question. Appreciate. It. Yeah. And now I'm hungry. Thanks. <laughs> uh, former mainland writer uh, Brandon. Uh, wrote to us before our last podcast, and I somehow spaced out on this um, the, this email. But he sent us an email because he can't annoy us in the, our Slack channel anymore. So he's uh, <laughs> writing in to ask some questions. 
Uh, he wants to to know. Um, let's see. He says maybe an unpopular opinion, but I think there are three to five major moves tops in the offseason. This team isn't that far off. I think it's much closer to the playoffs than most realize. Given a healthier team, you can't run over the roster, turn over the roster every year. He says I think left wing, right back, and goalkeeper and a second goalkeeper and a second striker are priority. What do you think? Uh, so he said left wing, right back, and what? Goalkeeper and a second striker. And a second, definitely second striker. Um, I'm not so sure I'm going to agree with him on the the right back thing. Um, left wing, I, you know, I guess that depends on on who you're putting over there. If uh, if we're talking about Yoshi playing a, a defensive midfielder, moving up to the winger, uh, then no. If we're talking about replacing Maram, then yes. Um, goalkeeper, um, you know, uh, I, they certainly have room to dump some, uh, dump some keepers and maybe, uh, make a big splash signing there. Uh, but, uh, the, the, you know, Grinny gave him a, uh, a reason to, to keep an eye on him, uh, going forward. So that's, that one's kind of up in the air for me. All right. I'm going to say that, yeah, I, I think left wing is a need. I don't think that that's a, a natural position for Yoshimar Yotun. Um, I would like to see somebody brought in that's a little dynamic to play on that wing. Uh, so I agree on that uh, that sense. Right back, I don't agree at all. I think Scott Sutter is a great right back for MLS. I don't I don't understand why so many of uh, Orlando City fans have issues with Scott, but he is yeah. a good player. I think he's always consistently one of our highest scoring players in our player grades. Um, he, he's and similarly, if you go to who scored, he's usually one of the higher played or higher scored Orlando City players there. He's a good player. He was not healthy this year for much of the year. Um, his worst games were when he was first trying to acclimate back into the side. I think what will really help him is if uh, James O'Connor goes to three in the back and plays him as a wing back. I think it's really going to help his game um, because he is a he's a decent defender. But I think he really shines in keeping possession and, um, you know, helping to uh, build attacks up the right side. So I, I like Scott Sutter. I think we're okay at right back. Maybe, um, maybe even as 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 backup. I think I thought R.J. Allen had some really good solid games as a as a you know as a backup player, forced into starting role. Although you know certainly you could go younger and faster at that position. Goalkeeper. Uh, Joe Bendick cannot have another year like he had this year. I would definitely think that um, goalkeeper will be a position that's identified this offseason for uh, improving. I thought Grinwis did a really nice job stepping in, but I think he's not a long-term answer um, unless he you know, improves in some of the areas where we, we've seen some weaknesses. Uh, and a secondary striker, well, we've talked about that since the preseason. So, yes, that's <laughs> definitely a need. <laughs> Uh, Brandon's second question, based on the salary conversations, I think either Sané or Spectre is gone. Who do you choose? I think Specs because of injuries, but it's not an easy choice. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to have to agree with Brandon on that one. As much as I like and respect uh, Spectre, uh, he is a little older. He had a pretty injury-plagued year, and uh, Sané played very well uh, if you go back and look at the grades. So, um, and, and, of course, is a you know bit younger, so if if it's me and my money, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I think um, age-wise they're very similar. Uh, they both had some injury issues this year, although Spectre missed a lot more games. 
than Sané did. Sané, when he was able to play with the same uh, partner for more than one game in a row, he actually played quite well. Um, I think I like his height. I like his. Uh, I think he's got decent pace for a center back in MLS. Um, if he can keep his knee healthy, uh, and if there isn't like a serious long-term issue with that knee, I think you keep Sané and and you say goodbye to Spectre and uh, you try to bring in somebody younger. I think that, you know, you and I have had this conversation before. I think a three-man back line, if that's what James O'Connor is going to do, with Sané, O'Neill, and Asquez. Uh, or even Tarek and, and moving Asquez up to defensive midfield, I think is a very solid back line in, in Major League Soccer. Yeah, uh, like you said, once they were out there consistently, uh, the defense improved immensely. And uh, given more time together, I think you know they could be a very stout back line. So, uh, like you said, we've talked about that plenty. That is really the key. It's It's got to be some consistency. You can't just throw lineup after lineup after lineup out there and just – make any kind of rational decision on, on who can play and who can't because there's just – you just don't see it. I mean, you know, you could point to other teams and say they had injury problems, but you're talking like one defender here or there. You're not talking like four guys in and out always, and that, and that's what Orlando had. I mean, what did we, many, what did uh, we land on? Yeah. I think we landed on 26 back lines in 34 games. Yeah, that's, that sounds right, yeah. It's, that's ridiculous. That's not a recipe. <laughs> that's not a recipe for success. Um, so no. I would say that there's some good players, and they need to settle in and and build some chemistry. And and I think that they will uh, do that next year. At least I hope so. So um, big thanks to Brandon and Lee for their emails. Um, I have not seen anything in my uh, Twitter notifications, so I believe we have. Uh, done all of this wait a minute actually i'm seeing a reply we do have something here did we get one yes we have a question from spot on twitter Ah, good old spot if you were put in charge for a guaranteed five years what sort of team would you build what style and formation any guys on the current roster that fit that and what types of players do you target that's very involved but i'll let you go first Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> well, here's, a, here's a huge question that you haven't given any thought to. Yeah. What do you got? Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I love attacking style teams. So um, I'm, I'm kind of like O'Connor in that respect or, uh, you know, a clop over with Liverpool. So um, I, I think I would um, – I'd have a three-man back line and – Let's see. Uh, I'd probably do a three-four-three, attacking-minded, um, high-line press, and you know, make sure that my my defenders were uh, able to run enough uh, to come back and cover. Um, so that's uh, that can that can come back and bite you in the rear end. But um, you know, I, I, that's still the the style of play I like to see. Um, as far as you know guys that are on the roster that we keep but we just we talked about the back line and and uh o'connor you know being similarly attack minded so i think that 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 could work out obviously um i would never get rid of yoshi until they prime from our cold dead hands um and then um you know I, I, there's some other guys given it's MLS that I would, I would certainly keep. Um, obviously I keep Dwyer just because he's uh, one of the heart of the team and a 
a pretty good striker, if, especially if he had some help up there. I'd keep Mueller just because um, I think he's got a, you know, he's got room to grow. But um, you know, anybody else, uh, it's probably up for, you know, if they're on board. I imagine a lot of what James has done is, is going and say, you know, all right, this is what we're going to do, or you're in, you're out. Um, but uh, yeah, for me, attack, attack, attack. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm in charge for a guaranteed five years. Somehow, some way, after this season, when uh, Manchester City ends up running away with it again, I am going to talk Pep Guardiola into coming over here <laughs> and saying, look, you've won everywhere else. Can you win in the United States? And I would talk him into coming over here, and I would I would target David Silva. He's nearing the end of his career. He's getting a little older. Come on over. Spend your last few years here. Make a big name for yourself. Make a big payday. I'd make him the highest paid DP in the league. Um, and I would play that same style, the, the, the Pep style. I think that it's proven okay. successful everywhere he's gone. I think David Silva is is quietly maybe one of the most influential, maybe not even that quietly, one of the most influential players in the English Premier League. And he, he gets what Pep does, and he... he he runs the team very well out when he's out on the field, and I think you keep Dwyer. I think you keep uh, Yoshi Otun. I think you keep some of the more mobile center backs, maybe, and um, I maybe keep Oriol uh, Rossell uh, as as part of that as well. So I, I think that there's some pieces that could fit in that style. Uh, but of course, uh, this is my pipe dream, and if I'm going to be in charge, and it's going to be an imaginary scenario, I'm going to imagine a very successful scenario. I'm just surprised that you didn't also mention that you were going to bring over Mo Salah and Eden Hazard. Well, no, I, because I, I'm trying to be somewhat <laughs> realistic. Like, like even Pep would be is is pretty Pep out Guardiola there. Is reasonable for Orlando City. Pep, okay, I'm just saying. Okay, Pep's out there, but if you threw him a billion dollars, would he come? <laughs> um, you know, challenge his his. You know, you've okay, you've challenge won in you've, you've won in Spain, you've won in England, you've won in Germany. You know, let's let's. See if you can do it in America, you know, sort of yeah. entice him to come over here. And uh, and then, you know, then you've got that in with, with Silva. And I think with Silva being toward the end of his career, he's got a connection with David Villa. So he knows that, that you know, MLS is a good league. He'll be able to, you know, talk him up. So I think mm-hmm. that I think that actually would be possible to get Silva. I don't, you know, probably more so than, than Guardiola, but... <laughs> yeah, probably. But that would be that would be what I would try to do. That's not necessarily what would happen, but I mean you have to have you have to have goals. And then if you can't reach those goals, then you you know you go to the next thing. Okay, so the old uh, shoot for the moon, and even if you miss, you're among the stars kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that. Um, we have a question from MTBH on the on the Twitters. I know it's been discussed, but who already has a contract going forward in 2019? Who will be protected? What position and or players realistically could be added to the team? Personally, would like a holding target, tall forward, another uh, center back, and a speedy wing. We're going to talk about some of this in our Stays Goes segment. So I'm not going to – let's not break all of that question down right now. Um, I think we've talked about – uh, what positions could be added to the team? I think you and I have, have long talked about this all year long with, you know, <laughs> replacing the, the you know, what the, what the team had planned for Justin Mira needs to be replaced. What yeah. the the team needs to replace the goalkeeper. The team needs to replace the, the striker depth or, or at least put a second serviceable striker 
on the on the field. Um, I think those are the realistic uh, positions to to be added to the team as to who those players are. I mean, it's going to be someone we've never heard of. I mean, if if, if judging by past uh, you know past uh, performances any or, or something surprising like last year. We entered the offseason. We didn't think of Justin Miram. We didn't think of Sasha Kleshin coming here. Nope. Uh, but they both did. So whatever we say is going to be wrong, and it's going to be something completely out of left field. Uh, but we do appreciate the questions, um, Maureen. Uh, Maureen Haynes, 17. Uh, thank you for the questions. We're going to talk about some of what you asked in our Stays Goes uh, segment, which is coming up uh, what, right about now, I think. Um. So, Dave, we do this every year, and every year it takes way too long. But And this year we have more players than ever because there was no OCB. Yep. So what are the odds that we can do this in, like, 15 minutes? Uh, about as good as Pep Guardiola coming over and coaching the Lions. Damn it! <laughs> I was afraid you were going to say something like that. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, just keep it brief. Um if we'll I know if brief as we can. if I know anything about the contract um, situation, I'll try to say it. But I'm okay. I'm I'm flying blind here. Some of what I've seen is um, attributable to transfer marked, but I, I'm not sure how accurate they are. Um, mm-hmm. But let's let's just go. I mean, uh, stays or goes, R.J. Allen. R.J. Allen stays. Like we just mentioned, he's a uh, he he played a pretty good. Um, uh, backup role for Sutter um, had some good matches. Plus, he's only in ninety grand, so uh, I, I think that you know I th- he can provide some some experience and some consistency back there. The world needs ditch diggers too, is what you're saying. Pretty much. Yeah, it's a salary cap league. He's cheap. He's experienced. He works hard. He can play multiple positions. Uh, why not? He stays. Carlos Asquez, I do know his contract uh, status. He is on loan with an option for the club uh, to bring him back for another year. Uh, I think I think that he stays. I think he proved that uh, you know he was a valuable asset back there, and you know we talked about him being part of that that you know revamp back line. So while he you know does cost a bit more than R.J. Allen, I, I still think that's money well spent. Twenty six years old, gets to play with Yoshi. Bring him on back, Carlos Asquez. Uh, Joe Bendick. Oh, Joey B. Um, I, as much as I would like for him to be back, given performance, you know, two years ago, um, I think that uh, I think he's going to be on his way out. Unfortunately, I think that uh, O'Connor's going to go and find himself somebody else. I think he has potentially a year left on his contract. He doesn't make tons and tons of money. I think he might be bought out because I don't know that mm-hmm. they'll be able to trade him. So, um, 180. I would say. I would say if I have to gun to my head, I say goes. Okay. Josue Coleman, young designated player from Paraguay. Ooh, this is one of the tougher ones. Um, hundred fifty thousand for Josue. Um, I'm gonna say stays. He's young. He's got potential, and um, and that's really the only reason. Yeah, I, I think he's he just turned twenty not too long ago. I think. Um, I think we see what uh, we can get out of him. His first year here wasn't great, but maybe uh, the second year will be an improvement. So uh, stays. Pierre Da Silva, another 20-year-old. Yeah, and another tough one. Um, 
because you know he has he has he shown enough. But he's also only fifty four and change uh, on the salary cap, so um, he's a he's a pretty inexpensive experiment. Um, I would say he stays young and uh, potential. I think stays. Uh, Dom Dwyer. Dom Dwyer. Dom Dwyer stays. That's an easy one. Dom stays. Earl Edwards Jr. Uh, who Earl? You know, I'm going to I'm going to say Earl is out of here. I think that both he and Bendick are gone to make room for whoever the new keeper, uh, you know, first uh, starter keeper will be. Um, despite him not having a big salary, I think they get rid of both of them and keep uh, Grinny as backup. Time for Earl to get a fresh start, I think, and um, mm-hmm. and seek some other pastures. I think that uh, the the end game, uh, the writing looked like it was on the wall, so I think Earl goes. Mohammed El Munir. Uh, you know, if you'd asked me several weeks ago, I would have said he's gone, but then he uh, steps it up um, when he got to move forward uh, a little bit uh, out of that defensive position. And I think that he'll fit in with James's new positioning. He is a bit of money, but um, you know, I, I I still kind of feel like uh, he'll be here. Yeah, I think he stays. I think that uh, the club wants uh, likes his dynamic uh, play up the up the wing, and I think that if he plays wing back, he's not going to be as exposed at the back post. I think he plays okay perimeter defense. I just think he's he's he gets prone to ball watching when the ball's in the air, and he's forced to defend in the box. So I think if you can keep mm-hmm. him wide, I think he's uh, he's not too bad. Uh, Victor PC Giro. So long, Victor. You're out. Um... He doesn't cost a lot, but he hasn't done much, and I and we didn't see him a lot, so I don't see us seeing him at all next year. Yeah, I don't think that we've we've uh, we've seen enough out of him to to have him hang on uh, anymore. So I will say, see ya. It goes. Uh, we should be writing all this down. We're of course I'm not. We're um, going too fast. <laughs> Adam Grinwis, the Grinch. I already, uh, I already tipped my hat on that one. I think, uh, I think the Grinch is back. Uh, I think he is uh, the backup keeper, and you know, given what he's done, maybe he uh, he pushes whoever's uh, first string and and occasionally gets in there. The Ginger Ninja is back. I'm gonna say it. Uh, Christian Igita. Ooh, tough one. Uh, Igita is, you know near the $500,000 mark, uh, but he showed us some good stuff this year. So. I'd like him to be back. I don't know if he will be. I don't know if he's going to fit in with what O'Connor wants to do. So uh, the coin toss, I'm going to say goes. I say Christian goes along with Earl Edwards Jr. And all of the original MLS Lions are gone. Uh, I think Igita has some, uh, some, some transfer value. And I think that the club will try to parlay that into something. They just can't keep all these defensive midfielders on the club. Which brings us to Will Johnson. Strange enough, I think Will stays. I think that um, my feeling is O'Connor likes his work ethic, and despite his price tag of you know four hundred fifty thousand or so, I think he still the fact that we got to see him on the field a lot shows that uh, O'Connor likes him, and so it's it's just a feeling, but I think he stays. I think he does too, and I think the I think he is the player that the club. Uh, inadvertently tripped his option year by playing him a certain number of starts. And I think so for that reason, <laughs> he's going to stay because um, otherwise they'd have to buy him out. 
So I think yeah. that he is he is back. Not only for that reason, I do think that James likes him, and uh, you know he he's got some versatility too. He can fill in in a lot of positions if he's not starting regularly. Sasha Kleshjian. Uh, the, uh, the stash is gone, uh, big price tag. Um, and it's not that I don't think that he cares or he tried hard, but I don't think he's going to fit in with, uh, O'Connor's style of attack. And so he, we will be saying goodbye to Sasha. I have a feeling his contract is something they can't get out of, uh, out from under this year. I think he's back. Okay. Uh, Richie Larea. Uh, you know, uh, ooh. I'm going to say Larea stays um, once again, you know, uh, younger ish. And um, I think he's got a better, you know, chance of fitting in with the new, the new system. I don't think he's graduated from generation Adidas yet, which means that he's, he's not really a cap liability. I think, um, I'm not sure if he got his, I don't think he got his green card yet either though. So I think that, if he stays, it's probably going to be contingent on getting that green card. Uh, mm. I think his contract is up at the end of the year. Um, I I think gut feeling is we've seen the end of Richie Cam. Okay. Cam Lindley. Uh, the other Cam. Well, um, that Cam I think we have seen the last of. Not a big price tag, but uh, I think with if we're keeping some of those other midfielders, um, you know, despite his small price tag, you know, 80,000 or so, we're still going to need uh, a little bit of space. Uh, he wouldn't see the field. He didn't see the field. So I think, uh, unfortunately, he's gone. Yeah, I think the club will try to move him or um, loan him to a USL club for the year. I don't know where he's going to fit, uh, but you never know. Uh, so I would say go or loan. Uh, Chris Mueller. Uh, cash is back. Um Right now, under 100,000, he was our first pick last year. Still has plenty to, uh, of room to grow, uh, and you can't fault him for his uh, his motor or his dedication. So, uh, Cash Mueller is back. Shane O'Neill. So, you're agreeing with me on Mueller? Yeah, Mueller's back. Come okay. On. Come on. <laughs> Come on. All right, O'Neill. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think O'Neill's back. Uh small price tag, you know, right around 70,000 or so. And, um, you know, he'll, he'll be a backup, but, uh, you know, he'll be here. I think arguably Orlando's most consistent defender the second half of the season. I think he fits in well with a three man back line. If he, if that's what O'Connor does. And I see him as a starter in that situation. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's back. I think that Shane O'Neill was a good pickup. Bang, uh, bang for the buck. You can't beat O'Neill. Stefano Pino. Uh, so long, Stefano. He's gone. The uh, Pino experiment is over, and um, we will be shipping him off. Yeah, if he's got an option, or if he, you know, if his contract was one year, I think he's out. Dylan Powers. Uh, the headband. Unfortunately, I think he's gone as well. Uh, once again, making room in in that midfield. Um, we hardly saw you, and um, yeah. So that's that's pretty much it. Gone. Uh, I think so too. Tony Rocha. Uh, yeah. Well, my my brain says gone. My heart says stays. He's only you know sixty eight thousand or so, but um, but we've got a ton of midfielders and they need to get some better ones. So, uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say Tony stays. 
I think the world needs ditch diggers too. I think he stays um, <laughs> cheap, plays a lot of positions. Uri Rossell. Uri's back. Uh, he might have a price tag of 412-ish, but uh, I think he showed enough uh, that James O'Connor likes him, and I think he will he will be around for the next the next season. I think he finally started playing his best soccer the last third of the season. So yeah, I think he's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamine Sané. Ah, this is a no-brainer. I think Sané is back. We kind of mentioned that earlier, so uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say two things in one podcast that that contradict each other. So he's back. Yeah, I think Sané's back at the expense of someone coming up. Uh, Chris Schuler. I think Chris is back. He's old. He's cheap, but. <laughs> You can stick him in, and, you know, we go with the ditch digger thing. And, you know, just why not? I mean, he, he was he was probably my favorite sub or, or replacement guy ever because he just – he went in there and he just tried his heart out. So uh, I think he's back. He's old. He's slow. He's <laughs> he hurt a lot. Of, who does he <laughs> remind me of? <laughs> oh, man. I, I, think, I think Chris is gone. I think they try to get some more um... – more mobile uh, defenders in there. Um, but he was a warrior for this team and, and, you know, played with a broken arm. How many guys would do that? That's right. Um, I, I want him back just for that. Jonathan Spector, the captain. Oh, as we said uh, a few minutes ago, I, unfortunately I think uh, Specs is gone. Um, and, and it's a, that's a, that's a tearful one because I, I really think that he, he gave all to this team and um, you know, definitely forever lying with him because uh yeah it's it's unfortunate but you know room has to be made and i think unfortunately he's the one that's going to go when healthy he was the best center back in the team's mls history and that was the key phrase when healthy he hasn't been able yeah. to stay healthy he did stay pretty much healthy last year uh but this past season 2018 it was a different story and he's had injury problems throughout his career and I believe his contract is up, so unless he would take a pay cut, I think he's out. Um, this is a, probably going to be a stays for both of us, Mason Stajahar. Yeah, yeah, Mason stays. Um, you know, cheap price tag and just one of those heart-of-the-team guys. Homegrown guy. I hope that they can find him a place to play um, in the USL to get him some games, get him some experience at the pro level. Um, I think he stays. Scott Sutter. Sutter stays. We both like him. He's fantastic on that right side. We've sung his praises all year. So, yeah, that's a no-brainer for me. Please come back, Scott Sutter. Um, I will say stays. If he he wants to stay, he should stay. The team team should absolutely try to get him to stay. Amro Tarek. Uh, Amro stays. He's part of that, uh, that... New back line we were talking about, and at a a pretty uh, sweet price tag of under hundred thousand. So um, I'd say Amro is back. Yep, I agree. Amro Tarek should be back. Donnie Toya. Oh, Donnie. I'm afraid that we've seen the last of you, Donnie boy. He's he's out. Donnie, Donnie who loved bowling. Donnie who loved uh, bowling. He's 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 out. Um, I think he's out. Yeah, Donnie. Uh, I cannot even say his name without thinking of <laughs> the Big Lebowski. <laughs> Big Lebowski, yeah. Uh, Donnie, who loved bowling. Um, Jose Villarreal. Uh, Jose, we barely knew you, literally. Uh, we never saw him. Um, 
you know. However, he's experienced. He's not that expensive. Depth player, but I still think he's gone. We just didn't see enough of him to for me to think O'Connor wants him. I think he's gone. I think he's signing with a USL team this year. Is my 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 bet. Um, and it brings us to Yoshimar Yotun. Uh, if he doesn't stay, then I believe that we have a road trip planned in a van to go grab him and bring him back. Is that right? Yoshi stays or we riot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Pretty much. Yoshi stays or we riot. Do you hear me, Alex Latow? I know you listen to this podcast. We know uh, you listen. Yeah. Yeah. Nikki, Alex, make sure it happens. Torches and pitchforks, if not. If you're going to sell him, though, bring back some uh, something equally good and awesome uh, with the money you get for selling him. And that's it. We actually did pretty good. We may have we we may be getting Pep Guardiola. I don't think we got him in I don't think we got it done in 15 minutes, but I think, ah. it was, I think it was like 16 minutes there. I think that was pretty good. For us, that's outstanding. That's an unbelievable. I mean, it's a record. <laughs> I mean, we didn't have this many players the last three years, and we went through them much slower. Yeah, we did. That's you know. Well, to be fair, there was <laughs> the results this year didn't lend them lent themselves to making easier decisions yeah. on all of this. Well, I mean, the, a lot of our listeners would just say saved a lot of time and just say they all go. Mm. That's true. Well, no, they. Or they would all go except Yoshi. Except for Yoshi and probably yeah. Dom, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's not realistic. That's not how this thing That's not how work. things work, no. no. Definitely not. All right, I think we have done a lot of damage for our November podcast, Dave. Um, anything else you want to talk about while we're here? Not other than, you know, to all the listeners, a very happy and safe Thanksgiving. Uh, we very much appreciate you guys, and, and I know that, I'm assuming I speak for Michael when I say we are thankful uh, for you uh, listening to us babble on. Absolutely. We uh, are now one of our monthly off-season podcasts into the off-season. So we now just have December, January, February, and we're back in the season. Wow. It's happened so quickly. <laughs> it's not going to feel quick. We uh, No, it's not. We, of course, will look forward to this Stays Goes uh, segment being completely undermined by Black Day's announcement, which will probably Black <laughs> talking about Black <laughs> about who's uh, who's getting picked up and who's not for uh, 2019. Um, but right. we do want to uh, make sure we get this thing out. Uh, I'll try to get this thing published before they come out with their with their uh, thing. I, I, maybe if I publish this thing at like 9:30 a.m. Uh, tomorrow, maybe they won't have their uh, have and everybody has to listen to it right away. Yeah, yeah, you have to listen to it. Uh, you can listen to it while you have the the you know press release open, so you can you can see you know what we did and you know how right or wrong we were. It, Probably mostly wrong, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, ultimately we didn't sit in on the um, you know we didn't sit in on the the exit interviews that James O'Connor did. We were not privy to the locker room to know who uh, may have not been buying into James's system. Uh, or the way that he wants to do things. So there's a lot that we really don't know that kind of went, um, you know, behind the scenes. So um, it'll be interesting. I'm really looking forward to to this announcement probably more than any of the previous, um, you know, player announcements at the end of the season. So uh, it, yeah. it will be interesting to see what Orlando City's thinking is. Of course, we'll we'll get a good feel for how much roster flexibility there is. I know Nikki Budalic was quoted as saying uh, that. 
there is a lot of flexibility in the bottom and middle parts of the roster, which kind of suggests that the high dollar guys are probably going to be back. Most of them. Yep. Uh, and it probably means that there's not going to be a lot of high dollar guys brought in because of that. So um, it, I really don't think that this is a roster that's far off from being able to win and win consistently. I think part of it is just buying into James, what James is doing. Part of it is James wants these guys to be more fit. He didn't get a chance to implement his training, uh, you know, regime in the preseason. He'll get a chance to do that this year. But I mean, let's face it. This has been, this was a historically bad club this year. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you can never be sure of what's going to happen or, or whether even James O'Connor will be back because there could absolutely be somebody that shows interest in the job and maybe uh, sidles up to Flavio or Alex Latow. And maybe next thing you know, you know, we're, we're having an announcement. So um, I would, if you're listening, everything is on the table is what I'm trying to say after a season like that, including Pep. Yeah. Including, including Pep. Now I think they have to wait till after this uh, Manchester city season. Uh, Maybe the, you know, mid season, switcheroo you know how orlando <laughs> likes to fire coaches in the middle of the season in the middle of the season yeah. right yeah so that's when we'll do it yeah. yeah all right dave let's wrap up uh episode number 149 with a bright bow and uh, we'll come back and do it again in december we've got a good guest lined up i keep saying this and now it's going to fall through um uh. a good guest lined up for december as well uh thanks again to tom traxler head coach of the orlando seawolves for coming on talking about the masl team here in town i can't wait to get out to silver spurs arena and check them out and um you know thank you for your questions you can ask us anything doesn't have to be about soccer i mean we just we just talked about side dishes today so you know any, anything can 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 be asked. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at, at the mainland with the hashtag AskTMLPC. Email us themainland at gmail.com. Read our stuff at themainland.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a five star review. I didn't check to see if we got any new reviews. I will check for December and we'll read them all. If you left us a five star review, we will read it's, the new ones. It's it's all we want for Christmas. Yes. So. Um, until next time, uh, I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. On behalf of David Rowe, signing off the way I always do by saying, Go City, Go Pride, and Go Sea Wolves. <laughs>